Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our March 2nd, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in. I'm looking forward to this hour with you, hearing your finance and investment questions, and giving you my straight, unbiased answers. Um, here to give you the facts. Uh, I don't have no agenda. Just trying to give you some perspective, some data, so you can make good investment decisions. Now, you probably are seeing the environment that we're in right now, seeing a lot of headlines about the war, uh, probably a bit confused, frustrated maybe. And this is a time where you need to step back and continue to focus on your long-term strategic plan with your portfolio, with your financial life as a whole. Now, Steve and I have always said that the market can be unpredictable and volatile, and especially in times of war, which is uh, an emotional thing uh, for everyone involved. And emotions, we know, mean typically bad decisions. When you make decisions based on sound reasoning, logic, and with a purpose, then you typically make better decisions than when you make them with emotions and without considering all of the pros and cons. And so I hope to be, not just this hour, but continually, uh, a voice of reason and help steer you through these tough times so that you can reach your end goal, which is financial freedom. So on this podcast, I'm going to operate, as always, with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success, which means whether I'm talking about the market as a whole, I'm explaining some sort of process, I'm talking about a particular stock or strategy, it's all presented without bias. I'll give you the facts as I see them, a lot of data in front of me along with 20 plus years of investment experience. So I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And you can do that right now during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, which a lot of you are, that's no big deal. You can leave your message on our invest talk voice bank. Either way, that number never changes. It's 888-99-CHART. 
So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Micah from Michigan. I was just curious about Lumen Technologies. With the recent pullbacks that it's had, is now a good buying opportunity on it? And what did you think about the fundamentals of it still with the current news that's been coming out recently about it? Thank you. Looking forward to the answer on the podcast. Bye. All right. This is Lumen. They had a tough earnings announcement a couple weeks ago. We've done this for clients, uh, unfortunately. Well, those will be wrong on, at least in the near term. Uh, but we're still uh, fans of it. Uh, the, the earnings report was... Not fantastic, but uh, it wasn't too far off from what we were expecting. They, they missed their, their numbers slightly, uh, but overall, they still remain in the process of, of uh, restructuring the business, selling off and uh, uh, reducing their low margin business and focusing on high margin business and, and uh, putting their money into their uh, CapEx to expand those higher margin businesses. And so we we still like it. I think it's still on uh, on that track, but it's uh, it has a lot of debt. Uh, it's still um, you know you could see a, a, a dividend cut, so I wouldn't be chasing the dividend. But the underlying fundamentals, cash flow of the business, remain rel- very strong, especially in relation to the valuation that it currently trades at only ten billion dollar market cap and it does about three and a half billion dollars in free cash flow trailing 12 months. That's a huge return. Uh, and so we think that is uh, sustainable and we still like it. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus today is based on the story behind this advice. Your will or estate plan should not be in set and forget it mode. So we're going to talk about that and certain life events and other types of triggers which may impact your tax and legal strategies will, uh, will trigger you changing your will and trust. So we're going to look at that. Also, we have time. Uh, some other items on the docket. One is real estate agents. There's some um, potential changes, disruption in the real estate market and how agents get paid. We're going to compare it to what other countries, what other agents in other countries get paid. Uh, we're also going to look at uh, U.S. moving to confront really China on trade and industrial policy. Uh, that's what the Biden administration is preparing. And we're going to look into some details there as well. And then lastly, what ways could you potentially change the way you allocate capital to avoid bubbles? Uh, we're going to look at that as well. So those are things on, on the docket for me, but ultimately I want to know what is on your mind. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question right now. Let's look at the market today. The S&P was up 80 points, almost 2%, very bullish day. And basically, the um, Fed, Fed President Jerome Powell was testifying in front of Congress on his confirmation hearing, and he basically said, we're going to raise a quarter point in a couple of weeks when they commence their, their, their meeting. So the market liked that. There was, it's how the market was leaning anyway was that there was going to be a quarter point increase. But there were still the odds on the table that, some odds, that they'll do, they would do 50 basis points. Well, with the geopolitical concerns, uh, along with, I think, some movements in tightening financial conditions, higher corporate bond spreads, for example, the Fed is, as they typically do, they kind of slow walk. 
what they want to do uh, because they don't want to really disrupt the market in a big, big way. And when you cut off Russia from SWIFT, that certainly throws another curveball into the financial system that I think they don't want to compound that with a 50 basis point increase. And therefore, their next step is a quarter point. So the market liked that. Uh, pretty interesting because you never really get a pre-announcement from the Fed. But that's kind of what this was, just kind of how it lined up. And uh, the questioning brought it to that place. And, you know, the headlines are all about the war. And obviously, nobody likes to see war. But when it comes to the markets, war only matters in the fact in how it affects the global economy. And mainly the US economy when you're talking about the US markets. And oil prices are up, that's certainly going to be a bit of a headwind. But they've been elevated. And there's still a lot of dry powder from the stimulus packages and consumer balance sheets remain relatively robust, although that is waning. But you're probably not going to see a market, a, a, a strong slowdown until the second quarter. Probably this back half of the second quarter based on flows. And remember, the Fed's still buying assets until the end of the month. And so I still think the upside in the market is more likely in the near term. Three months from now, four months from now, it's a lifetime in markets. Uh, we could see lower prices. But remember, when you're seeing war headlines, they don't matter to the markets that much, but only to, the, to their effect on the economy. And so far, not a whole lot. So that's where we're at. And uh, what else do we have today? Gold, that was down a bit. So uh, you have the 10-year up. So the down, the gold was down a bit because the 10-year, while dropped precipitously over the past couple of days, it was up almost 16 basis points today. So clearly the, uh, the Fed testimony shifted that market a bit as well. Now, Steve and I are grateful for your support and our free downloads will always continue, but I want to make you aware of two other ways to find our material and unbiased guidance. Best Talk has a YouTube channel and an Instagram following as well, and we are building up more content on both of those platforms. So head over to YouTube and Instagram and search Invest Talk. Remember, use two T's and please tell your friends. The Invest Talk phone lines are open, so give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. Uh, absolutely love the show. As always, this is Alan from Hayward, California. My question is, if an insider purchases $5 million worth of stock, but his net worth is $650 million. Does his purchase tell you that he has serious conviction in the stock, or does it tell you maybe he bought it only for cosmetic purposes? Assuming all things are equal, would a $5 million purchase from an insider catch your attention? Thanks. Love the show. 
I mean, there's there's a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, what, when I look at insider buying and selling, what's most important to me is a something that is not uh, typical. A lot of people look at insider selling and they say, oh, "Well, the insiders are selling, and they should, you know, you, sh- you should sell it because they don't have confidence in the business." But oftentimes, that's part of a regular scheduled plan. In today's day and age, especially, this is a, a weird unintended consequence uh, in the 90s. It was, uh, I think it was under the Clinton administration, where there was backlash on CEO pay being so large. And what that did was it shifted CEO pay to stock-based compensation. And so that's change of incentives within the financial industry or the, sorry, the, the corporate industry to stock buybacks and simply driving the price of stocks up. So leveraging a balance sheet, taking on higher risk, etc. And that's why buybacks are, are so popular these days is because uh, if you can't manufacture growth through operations, you can plow your cash flow back into stock buybacks. It creates uh, earnings for share growth and stock price goes up. Now, when so much of the CEO's pay is tied to stock-based compensation, they're going to want to cash in on that. You can't spend your stock certificates at a hotel or on a first-class flight. You have to cash it in. So a lot of them sell consistently, or a lot of them buy consistently. So I look at more kind of one-off changes to that overall plan. And that's most important to me. So that's first off. Now the size of the purchase in context to their net worth. Yes, it definitely has a factor. It's it's definitely something that I would consider if Tim Cook bought $5 million with Apple, that's nothing. But if you're, uh, it's a small cap stock and, you know, the, the CEO is worth $4 million and they put a million in, a quarter of their net worth into it, uh, that's a big signal. So, yes, a percentage of their net worth would be an important factor in understanding whether that purchase or sale uh, is of importance. Thanks for the call. Now, we have good news for InvestTalk listeners that enjoy hearing un- <clears throat> unbiased answers to caller questions at a faster pace. We have just posted an all-new Rapid Fire Hour for February with 23 caller questions. It's available now as a free podcast download. So tell your friends and family about the InvestTalk Rapid Fire podcast as well. And now the InvestTalk phone lines are open. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price. Got a question for Steve or Justin? 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? 
Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this advice. Your will or estate plan should not be in set and forget it mode. There's certain life events and other types of triggers that may impact your tax and legal strategies. So what it's basically saying is that first off, wills and trusts, wills and trusts are important, especially if you own assets uh, like real estate. It's very important. Now, if you just own IRAs, 401ks and you have beneficiaries laid out there, uh, you know, it may not be that necessary, but when you start buying a house, you have children, get married, those become, those situations often first trigger at least a will and likely a trust. Now, when should you upgrade to a trust? Well, you have significant number of assets, more than $500,000 first off in your own name. That's one. Uh, you have special needs for beneficiaries. So there are special instructions that you want to lay out there. You have property in different jurisdictions. So uh, a lot of different states, maybe even counties where the laws can, can be different. You want to control how those distributions uh, go, where they're not just straightforward. Hey, 100% here, 50% here, etc. Uh, if you have kids from previous relationships that you want to be have taken care of, that's important. And if you want asset protection, that's uh, always a good reason for a trust. And if you are worth over $20 million, you definitely want a trust, that's for sure. So those are reasons why you might want to have a trust. But also, what about changes to your will and trust? Well, there are major triggers, so... Changes in your health, uh, including those of the executor and guardians. So who's taking care of your assets? If changes to their health might impact things. Changes in the laws. Legal strategies, that that can change. So you want to have a, a, a trust attorney that's going to keep you up to date on that. And then changes in, in residency. So you move from one state to another that can often make a big impact. For example, some states require that the executor live in that particular state and to administer uh, that will or trust. Inheritance inheritance tax laws also change. Uh, Whether a child can be disinherited by omission, meaning you didn't, they're your child, uh, but you didn't mention them in your will or trust and certain states, they don't care. They're your child. So you, you get, they get a portion, even when you didn't want to, you didn't specifically call out that you don't want them to have your assets. Well, in certain states, well, they're going to get part of it because that's the law within the state. So that's why when you change states, that can be important as well. So obviously getting married, getting divorced, those things are important especially when you're looking at beneficiaries. If you have life insurance, IRAs, 401ks, the beneficiary listed there often supersede the will or trust. So you want to make sure that these things are continuously up to date. And 
over time, your original choices may not be right anymore. Maybe there's another person within your family, your circle that now is more appropriate. Maybe your wishes have evolved. And so it's always good to uh, keep these uh, up to date. Now, if you need help, uh, we use Will and Trust. It's a great online platform. Uh, if you ever need help with Will and, uh, Will and Trust, or sorry, Trust and Will, excuse me, Trust and Will. Um, we do give a discount to our listeners and our uh, clients. So if you ever want help with that, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Now, let's keep things moving and go back to the Best Talk Voice Bank for another caller question at 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Paige. I'm calling from Silicon Valley, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about Shopify. I don't think I've ever taken notes from your show about that stock, but it is something you guys had an ad for for a long time. It's gone down a lot. It's currently at about 850, and the earnings are expected on the 16th of February. Curious if you'd buy it at these levels and um, where you might feel comfortable getting in on the stock Shopify. Thank you. Love your show. All right, looking at Shopify, S-H-O-P is the symbol, and I'm intimately familiar with Shopify in, in multiple ways. Obviously, the, they're a sponsor of the show, but also uh, one of my best friends, he runs a Shopify fulfillment center in Ohio, so uh, he, he's, he he works closely with them. And my girlfriend, she's a dermatologist. She just recently launched her own skin line on the Shopify platform, and the data is incredible. So uh, she's doing very well, and it's a, it's, it's a great platform. And it has uh, it has great it's it's a great product, but great product doesn't always mean that it's the best time to buy the stock. I remember my buddy in in, uh, in Ohio uh, when it was going over a thousand dollars a share, saying, "Oh, you should buy it. You need to get in. It's going to go to you know five thousand or whatever." And I looked at the valuation, and it was pretty absurd. And now it's uh, it's well off its high. It went up to seventeen hundred and sixty-two dollars. Now it's down sixty-three percent or so down to $659 per share. And the issue here is that it continues to be just drastically overvalued. Um, so it's definitely on my watch list of a company I want to own, but it still needs to come down sub 500, uh, I think, for me to be interested in it. Currently, enterprise value EBIT is about 24, uh, and I think it needs to come down uh, probably into the teens, and then I would uh, be in on Shopify. But uh, sub 500, I'll be interested. Now we're heading into a break. I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program. For 30 years, Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. 
Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, so get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Uh, thanks in advance for answering this question. I've got a, a position, about 20 shares in a stock, ICIC Bank Limited. IBN is a stock symbol. It's got a decent beta. Yeah, and PE ratio is 23.74 now, but it's going to go down to 23.65. Um, that's what the forward PE is. And it's got a nice EBITDA and a good good row, return on equity. But it's been dropping a little bit of late, I think about 25% profit. And I was wondering if I should start selling some of this off or just hang on to it. Thanks a lot for your answer. All right, looking at, I call it Icky Icky Bank, I-C-I-C-I. Uh, IBN is the symbol. It's an, it's, an, it's an Indian bank, one of the largest ones out there. $65 billion market cap. Earnings supposed to go up 20% this year, 22% next year. Small dividend. Last quarter revenues declined 3%, but earnings were up 19%. And this is uh, more of a play on, on India. Uh, unfortunately, the Indian economy is, is slowing, and that's why you're seeing this stock uh, start to uh, underperform. Uh, I don't see anything major. I don't see any major problems with it. Uh, it's, not, it's not overvalued. It's probably fairly valued. Turn equity 13%, which is kind of right around the longer term average. So I don't think it's over earning or anything like that. Uh, one issue uh, could be 
this geopolitical crisis. Obviously, India is uh, in that region, uh, and they do have uh, a relationship with uh, with Russia, and I'm sure there's banking relationships as well there. So uh, that's probably the biggest issue in the near term. Uh, longer term, I like it. I think India has a lot of things going for it when it comes to uh, longer term economic growth. They have large population, a young population where they don't have the demographic issues that China and a lot of other large uh, developed um, countries and regions typically have, like in, in Europe, for example. And so I like longer term, I like the Indian market. Near term, I do see a bit of headwinds, uh, trouble with uh, geopolitical concerns. So depends on your, your viewpoint, uh, whether you're looking short term or long term. Long term, I like it. Short term, I, I could see some more downside. Thanks for the call. 888 chart, 888 Let's touch a bit on a some more potential wrenches thrown into uh, the global economy. Uh, we, we have a war, and the last war we had was really a trade war. Remember the trade war between Trump and China? Well, the Biden administration is preparing to make their own effort towards addressing China's industrial subsidies and trying to protect American technologies and doing it in a, in a different way than uh, Trump's tariffs. But his tariffs, Trump's tariffs, are, have largely been intact. So it's not like he's rolled them back. But they're, the Biden administration is likely to roll out in the, in the next few months a new investigation into Beijing support for particular sectors. And it's going to be using what's called Section 301 of the Trade Act. And it allows U.S. officials to single out certain practices by trading partners and saying that they violate trade law and take punitive actions against it. So China, in their China 2025 plan, has identified things like semiconductors, artificial intelligence, 5G, electric vehicles, where they want to be global leaders. And in a lot of ways, they're stealing our technology. And so that's the they're looking to find ways to protect uh, America from that. And the question is, how strong will they come down? And what will be China's retaliation? And the new initiatives come as efforts to build on the, the first phase one deal really have stalled. And Chinese officials are no longer in contact or close communication on trade with, with our officials. Remember the trade deal in 2020? Well, only about 57% of the U.S. goods and services it committed to purchase over the two-year period actually were, were bought. Now, China's saying, oh, well, that's because of the pandemic, et cetera. And, you know, you could argue whether that's a good, good reason or not. But at the end of the day, they didn't fulfill their promises. So the administration and, and I think uh, the American public, is patients running low. And administration is looking to implement their own policies under the 301 Act to focus on industrial subsidies that promote China's strategic objectives. 
And the big question is, how will this impact the economy, impact trade? Because go back and look when those tariffs were enacted and look at the market and the economy in 2016. And you had a rough year. It actually did have a, a material impact on the economy. Now, it didn't push us into a recession, but it certainly had a negative impact on trade, negative impact on the economy. And so how hard will they come down and what will be the response? Uh, it will be very, very interesting. And I think that's the biggest undiscussed risk in the market right now is what that next kind of phase of the trade war will be. It'll unlikely be tariffs, but other things that could address this issue. Now, Steve and I have said many times that we appreciate our diverse Invest Talk audience. And in fact, we receive caller questions from around the world and across America. So let's take a question now, this time from New Jersey. Hello, Justin. Steve, Raphael from Jersey. Hey, uh, something I'm not hearing a lot of talk about this time around with the market is the 10-2 year spread. I heard the one of the federal policymakers say that they need to front load the hikes, and I turned on the, uh, the spread today, and it crashed all the way to 39 basis points from like 62, 63 basis points. That's like in just a matter of a few days. So I think we're heading into a recession. Justin and Steve just wanted to let you guys know I took 70% of my 401, moved it into money market to see which way this thing breaks. The other 30 is metals, mining, fertilizer, ag, oil and gas. Want to let you guys know and see what you guys thought about that. Thanks. Bye. Well, I, I don't think we're going into recession. And the t 210 Treasury yield spread curve uh, spread is is not indicating that. Uh, it's down to 39 basis points. Yes, that's the lowest of this this cycle, but it's not inverted. Uh, Pre-pandemic, August of 2019, it actually did invert for a short period of time, and uh, oddly enough, it, it did kind of predict the 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 COVID recession that was uh, big and short-lived. But you're not seeing uh, an inversion now. What? It is indicating that the economy is slowing. That's true. And you're definitely going to see the economy slow year over year and probably be negative for a quarter in the second quarter. And a lot of that has to do with um, a lot of stimulus in the second quarter of, of last year. And those are just tough comps. Does that mean there's going to be a recession? No, probably not. Especially when you consider, hey, Omicron. Omicron is behind us. You saw the CDC change their mask uh, 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 suggestions. States, even uh, a lot of Democrat-led states, are releasing their restrictions in a lot of ways, which means, hey, more economic, uh, economic activity, people going out to eat more, traveling. And you are seeing a post-Omicron acceleration in the economy. Now, it's not huge, but it's material. Now, when you're looking at the 210 spread, now that is looking out forward, 6, 9, 12 months. But that's, once again, not indicating a recession. So you're looking at the yield curve flattening, and you're automatically saying, well, there's going to be a recession because it's flattening. No. That's indication of slowing, not a recession. Uh, what's your breakdown of the of, of your portfolio? 
I like that you were a lot of ag, metals, mining. That's good. Uh, probably too much cash, though. At least for the next couple months. Like I said, April, May time frame, that may change, uh, but we'll see. But right now, short term, I think the market's going higher. That's the technicals are saying. Now, today was the second trading day of March. So 2022 is moving right along, maybe faster than some of us had anticipated. So I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, where we practice parallel investing. And we give unbiased guidance both on and off air. So I encourage you to reach out to me if you need help with your portfolio for our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial office at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Next up, we'll go back to the InvestTalk voice bank. Remember, the phone lines never close. So it's 888-99-CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. Just had a question for you regarding Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, ticker symbol is CM. I'd like to know if you think it's a good stock. I'd like to purchase it, but I'd like to get your opinion. It looks pretty good. It's got a 4% dividend, forward PE of 8, return on equity 16%, profit margin 42%, and it's trading well under the 200-day and the 50-day, and uh, I just think it looks really good. So if you guys could give me your opinion on this stock, I would appreciate it. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. Looking at Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, CM is the symbol. And you're right. Solid return on equity. If you look over the last decade, 16% is kind of on the low end. Trades closer to uh, 18 to 20% on the return on equity side. So that's a positive. There may be some more uh, upside return to uh, that longer term average. So I like that. It's technicals are strong. I think you said below the 200 day, but no, it's, it's well above it's and it's had a bit of a pullback here over the past month, uh, I call it two months really since the beginning of the year, but nothing negative about the chart. It's just been a kind of a consolidation phase uh, for most of the year and it looks poised to, to move higher. So you get a nice 3.8% dividend yield trading out about 11 times forward earnings. It's the fifth largest bank in Canada. And it has a retail and business banking, wealth management, and capital markets. So I I kind of like this. Uh, and remember, this is probably has to do with the Canadian currency, so Canadian dollar, the loonie. And with stronger oil prices, that's going to be good for the Canadian market and Canadian stocks uh, and the companies that. Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce serves. 
So in some ways, this is a bit of a, an oil play, a resource play. And the fundamentals, technicals look good. So I'm going to give CM, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, a thumbs up. Now let's see if we can squeeze in another question here from 888.99 chart. Oh, hi. My name is Singh. I'm calling for Haver, California. I'm interested in buying Apple and Microsoft. And I want to see what is your opinion on it. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, looking at Apple and Microsoft. Well, if I'm picking one or the other, uh, we own Apple for clients, and I'm going to pick Apple. Why? Uh, I like their their business a bit better. While Microsoft has a very strong business application suite, I think there's, uh, from a competitive standpoint, it's they have other strong competitors, Google and Google Docs, uh, and there are other smaller competitors that are working on competing applications uh, like Microsoft's Office Suite, uh, et cetera. And I think there's more of a longer term threat to Microsoft's business. Whereas Apple, <clears throat> the iOS is so such a strong business and platform. Now both have regulatory issues and, and risks. Um, but if I'm going with one or the other balance sheets better on Apple, um, they're both expensive. They're both on the expensive side. So Apple's one of those ones we haven't really bought a lot for new clients recently. Um, but we, we still like the company longer term. So I would say neither are great buys today, but maybe end of the second quarter, go in the second half of the year. That might change. But I'm picking one or the other, I'm picking Apple. Now, the next invest talk, this story. Understanding the dynamic power of your credit score. Credit is a complicated topic, and the financial literacy continues to be an elusive target for a majority of Americans. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein and ready to take your questions live at 888 chart. In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. This is Invest Talk, and you've come to the right place. Justin Klein is here now, taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Hey, good afternoon, Steve and Justin. This is Paul from South Carolina. I wanted to revert back to a caller question that came through around the beginning of January in regards to FedEx, ticker FDX. Justin, you made a few particular points as far as FedEx not being the only logistics company available, as well as margins most likely dropping back to pre-pandemic levels. Today looks like it got to around 226, 227 mark, pulled back a good bit. I just wanted to call and see if this would be more attractive at these levels, or would you give it a few days and wait to see if it drops lower? Thanks for all you do. All right, looking at FedEx, and this has been, well, everyone thinks that this would be a winner from the pandemic. It's actually been a loser in a lot of ways. And the big reason is because UPS has been eating their lunch. Why is that? Well, it's because FedEx employees are not union, whereas UPS employees are. 
they're they're paid more. So historically, FedEx has had, had better profitability, but I think that's that's changed a bit. Um, and so they've been struggling, uh, and the price uh, has been struggling down 31% from its 52-week high. Now, it is getting down to levels where it is on the cheaper side. Our fair value is closer to $250 per share, and now it's at to what are we close to 219 and change today? So I would say it's about 10% undervalued. And so I, you know, uh, I don't mind it. It's if you're looking longer term, I still think uh, it's it's a good company. It's working through a lot of, of issues, a lot of problems. But in general, its cash flow and its profitability is uh, is strong and consistent. So uh, I'm going to give FedEx at this point, now that it's down here, about 10% undervalued, uh, I would give it, you know, a modest thumbs up. Still not enthused. The technicals are still pretty poor. Um, so I probably wouldn't love it in the short term because, uh, when you're in a downtrend like this, the odds are the downtrend will, uh, just continue, but longer term it's at levels where it's a reasonable value. Now, where would it would be a screaming buy and the technicals would line up? That would be actually right around 170, 160, 160 to 170. That's an area from a technical perspective that would be a great buy. Uh, and it would be very undervalued there. Um, right now, modestly undervalued, technicals poor, so eh, it's just okay. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's talk a bit about real estate agents. I think this is uh, an area that is ripe for disruption. Disruption. Now, the typical real estate agent gets paid 5 6% in commissions of the sale price, and the seller pays that. But home buyers are often unaware of the amount that their real estate agent are getting paid because they don't pay them. It's paid through the purchases of the, of the house. But some research think, researchers think that the commission structure increases transaction costs and it reduces market innovation as a whole. And digital technologies have really driven down the cost of a lot of things, booking flights, trading stocks, et cetera, but not really buying or selling a home. But the Justice Department uh, in November of 2020 fought a lawsuit against the National Association of Realtors maintaining anti-competitive practices. And so uh, they're looking at cracking down. And the big question is, how would the system change? First thing would be to uh, allow buyers and sellers to negotiate real estate fees separately. That could shape the market. And especially when people have access to things like Zillow and other information that you didn't, ha you didn't have 20 years ago, where the agent was the keys to all that information. You know, what they get paid is a, pr a pretty big price tag. Now, buyer's agents have incentives to steer their clients towards properties that offer higher commissions. You don't realize that. That because the buyer doesn't know how much the agent's getting paid, the agent might push them towards one property where they're getting paid 3% of the, 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 pro the value of the property uh, over one that's 2.5% because they're getting higher commission, even though it might not, might not be the best value or the best for, the, for their client. Okay. Now in the UK, commissions paid are paid to seller agents tend to be about one to two percent on average, and sellers typically opt for a flat fee. So the dynamics in the real estate agent, real estate market, and real estate agent market, uh, I think are, are changing uh, with technology. And I think that's the next place for big disruption.
So uh, be on the lookout for that. And if you're selling a house, look for some alternatives. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. And get your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave your question with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.